Would you turn this morning to two openings, please? Romans chapter 8 and uh, John chapter 14. Romans 8, John 14. We're glad everybody is uh, with us this morning. Christians ought to go to church, don't you think? Bible said not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And uh, we're glad you're obeying that and following that. I guess two sessions ago we began a series called uh, The Spirit-Led Life or Spirit-Led Living. And we mentioned to you that the Lord had dealt with us about teaching on how to be led by the Spirit. And, and some other things. I got another one of those instructions this week. And we'll tell you about that later. And I'm excited about it. But the Lord, uh, back in the very beginning of the church, dealt with us about three things to do and assignments. And so uh, two of those we've done. And when I say we've done, I don't mean we've done and that's it. But we've started on it. One was teach the people how to love each other. And so, we, you know, we camped on that for months. And then um, teach the people how to live and walk by faith. And so we've uh, camped on that for a long time. And then the other one is teach the people how to be led by the Spirit. And so just two Sundays ago, we began on that. And so we want to continue on that this morning, talking about the Spirit-led life. You understand that people live their lives and make their decisions and their plans based on a lot of things besides the Holy Spirit's leading. Right? Even many, 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 many Christians. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, people make their plans and they just go on and do what they decided to do. Even with our children, we, we should uh, teach them differently than the world and even many Christians do because many, many Christians will tell their children, you know, they especially they get up junior high and uh, they begin to have career days in high school and, and that kind of thing. And they say, well, you know, what do you want to be, baby, when you grow up? Well, you can be anything you want to be. Well, that's not true. I said, that's not true. You can be anything, you can do anything you decide to do. And I know people mean, well, they're saying, well, you're smart and you could learn it or you could achieve it. But that's, and, and you want to let them know you believe in them. But no, you want to tell them you believe they can do whatever the Lord has called them to do. No matter how high that might seem. But no, it is not for us to decide or them to decide what they want to be when they grow up. That's already been decided for them. Did you hear me? It's already been decided for you. It's not for us to decide what we want to do in life. It's for us to discover what we've been predestined to do. Amen? Because every one of us has a place and has a grace. Amen? Every one of us. I became convinced as a teenager, 16 years old, became completely convinced that if I could hear from God... I had it made. And now, a few years later, I'm just as much convinced and even more so because it is the key to success in life. If you can hear from God and then you'll do, everybody say do, you'll do what he tells you to do, you will not fail. You will not stay down. You'll come up and you'll increase. Amen. And you'll not be a failure. You'll be a success. And you'll not be dissatisfied, you'll be satisfied. I said, if you can hear from God, and if you'll do what you hear. And so uh, we're on it, and we're going to stay on it. Until if folk at Faith Life Church don't know how to hear from God, it's because they didn't come to church. That's because they slapped through the sermons. Or they just rebelled against what was said, because I'm believing God that it's going to come out. Amen. And the revelation and the understanding will be there. And I'm believing to come up a notch and, and another notch. Amen. And another notch in my own spiritual uh, awareness and sensitivity and being led by him. Romans 8 and John. What did we say? 
14 is right. Romans 8, first of all. You know the, the text. Let's look at it again. Romans 8, 14. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Say it out loud with me, please. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, the word for son there is not the word for child. It's the word for maturing one, a, a son uh, that's growing up. And it is, you know, spiritual maturity is inseparable from learning to be led by the Spirit. You show me somebody uh, that's grown up some in the Lord, I'll show you somebody who's learned how to be led by the Spirit some. Inseparable. And so, can maturing sons and daughters of God, can they expect to be led by the Spirit of God? Do we have that privilege? You know, I know sometimes people use the phrase, the Lord told me, too loosely. A lot of people do. A lot of Christians, are just they just throw that around, well, the Lord told me this, and the Lord told me that. And other folk, that's a foreign concept to them. And, and, and one fellow spoke up one time, he said, all these people always talking about, God told me this, and God told me that. That bothers me, all these people saying, God told me. The other fellow said, well, I tell you what bothers me is all these people who never hear from God. <laughs> well, we don't want to get in the ditch on either side, do we? We want to be in the middle of the Word. But can sons of God be led by the Spirit of God? Can, can we? We've been reading the book of Acts at Faith Life Church. Correct? Yeah, everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every Monday through Friday. Right? Am I right or am I absolutely right? Right. And so, of course, the book of Acts is the Holy Ghost book. And so uh, I've admonished you to see how real the Holy Spirit was to them. I mean, every other page, the Spirit said this, and the Spirit said that, and the Spirit did this. The Spirit said go, and the Spirit said no. He was real to them. In their daily life. And he was directing the affairs of the church. Amen. He is the, somebody said, well, I thought Jesus is the head of the church. He is. But his representation in the earth is his spirit. Amen. So people who say Jesus is our head, but they ignore the Holy Spirit, they are ignoring the head. You must acknowledge his spirit to acknowledge his headship and his leadership in the church. So we are sons of God. We are led by the Spirit of God. In fact, just confess it no matter what you've experienced in the past. Say it out loud. I'm a son of God. And I am led by the Spirit of God. Every day. In every area. I am led by the Spirit of God. I had a witness in my spirit. If you'd just say that. If you had just say that multiple times a day, it'd change your life. Amen. Just say, get your faith working for you. Amen. Get the door open. Instead of what other people say. Christians, I've had Christians, I've had ministers come to me and just grab me and go, Oh, Brother Keith, pray for me. Man, I, you know, I got this big thing coming up and I just don't know. I'm afraid I'm going to miss it. And, and I prayed and I prayed and I just can't seem to hear from God. I don't know what's wrong. I've fasted and I just can't seem to hear from God. I don't know what's wrong. Man, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Well, did the Bible say you can't hear from God? Did the Bible say be afraid you're going to miss it? No. No. So see, people's words are stout against the Lord. You must agree with him. What does the scripture say? My sheep know my voice. And a stranger's voice, they won't follow. Steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. You have an unction of the Holy One. And you know all things. So you must talk that way. I am being led. I am being directed. I know his voice. I hear him. I follow him. I'll do the right thing. Your head say, we don't know what to do. Say, shut up head. I will do the right thing. 
I'll make the right choice. We'll make the right decision. And see, when you're talking like that, that's faith. And you got the door wide open for the Holy Ghost to just lead you and guide you and make sure you're at the right place at the right time. I've said that for decades. I am always at the right place at the right time. Huh? Even if it looks like you made a wrong turn the last three times, say it all the bolder. I am always at the right place at the right time. Confess that over yourself. Say that in your life. Back to uh, John then. Great statements here in John 14 and 15 and 16. In uh, John 14, 16. John 14, 16. Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now, in our last two sessions, we've been talking about the person of the spirit. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. In fact, just, just hold your place here and flip over real quick to 2 Corinthians, the last chapter, 2 Corinthians 13. Just hold your place there in John because we're coming back. But in 2 Corinthians 13, last chapter and last verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion communion of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The communion of the Holy Spirit. Communion means fellowship. And we went into some detail about how it's inappropriate to to refer to the Holy Spirit as it. And we last week we went into some detail about what constitutes a person. Well, a person has a mind. A person has a will. A person has emotions and and words and actions, and the Holy Spirit possesses all these. He's not an impersonal force. He's not just a power like electricity. He is a person. Amen? I mean, it's not appropriate to refer to you as it, right? I don't say about Mo, it's got a new jacket on this morning. That's not it. That's Mo. Right? <laughs> you don't say, well, how, they say, well, how did Brother Keith do this morning? And you say, well, it did all right. <laughs> or it didn't do so hot. Well, uh, it is inappropriate reference to a person. So do not refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Now, if you want more on that, tapes are available. We went into a lot of detail. But uh, notice this in, in John 14 again. He said, communion of the Holy Spirit fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And chapter 14 of John, he said, I'll pray the Father, he will give you another comforter. We said the word comforter is the word paraclete. And the word another means one of the same kind. So Jesus was their original paraclete. He was their original helper, capital H. And they were sad when they said he's going away. He told him he's going away. But he said, look, it's expedient for you that I go away because if I don't go away, then the comforter won't come. He said, we're not going to leave you helpless and orphans. Uh, I'm going to ask the Father, pray the Father. He's going to send you another, one of the same kind as me, helper. What could be better than being with Jesus? Yeah. The spirit of Jesus being inside you. 24-7. Do you see the difference here? That's why Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. So he said, that's why he goes on to say, he's with you. Well, read it with me here. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you. What was about to happen then? This day that you and I are living in and shall be. In you, in you, 
Dr. Kenneth Hagin, our spiritual father, said many, many times, uh, I heard him, you know, make this phrase. He said, we, we should become more God inside minded. Amen. We need to be more aware. These are my words, more aware of the greater one who is inside us. Amen. Instead of intellect my, uh, awareness, uh, reason awareness, other people's opinion awareness, we need to be, or should be, I say, aware of the greater one, aware of God inside. Is the Holy Spirit inside you? Does he live in you? Is he real to you? See, he should be just as real to you as any other human person that you're around, and even more so. And we begin to give you these three major areas of growing in sensitivity to him. And one of them, we said, you must recognize or realize his presence. You must recognize it. You know, would somebody ignore God? Would a person shut God out? And yet people do, Christians do every day, shut God out of their life. The Lord's trying to talk to them. He's endeavoring to get direction to them. And they just shut him out. And a lot of people don't do it maliciously. They do it ignorantly. They don't realize this is God dealing with me. So many times people try to make everything of the Lord spectacular. And they're wanting to hear an audible voice. Or they're wanting to see an angel. Or they're wanting to feel something. A cold flash. Or a hot flash. Or goosebumps or, or whatever. Oh Lord, if this is you, let seven red trucks pass by my house in succession. And we say, what's wrong with that? Everything's wrong with that. There are many red trucks in the world. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily mean you're supposed to be a missionary to Africa because four red trucks come by your house. We somebody said, well, you know, Gideon, he put out a fleece, and he said, you know, Lord, if this is you, let the fleece be dry and the ground wet. Lord, if this is you, let the fleece be wet and the ground dry, you know. Did I say it right? Vice versa. And, and, and that's how he, yeah, but Gideon wasn't born again. Gideon didn't live in our covenant. He didn't know God like we know him, and he didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside him. So he's looking to external things. You and I are not to be externally led. We are to be internally led. Right? Don't look at other people. You know, people make mistakes by asking everybody and their brother, what do you think I ought to do? Boy, if I had listened to what folk thought I ought to do in ministry just up to this point, we wouldn't be here. And we would have done a lot of other things that we didn't do and not done things that we have done. But it pays to learn how to hear from God for yourself, doesn't it? People, I, I've had people come to me all upset because, we, you know, I went to so-and-so, even ministers. I, I went to brother so-and-so, and he gave me this counsel, and I did it, and it messed my life up. They gave me bad counsel. Well, that's your fault. Probably shouldn't even have asked them. You probably should have been in your bedroom praying. Right? Looking to the Lord. Don't let other people lead you. If they get something from God, it should be confirmation to what you already have. You need to trust in the Holy Ghost in you. Trust in your ability to hear from God. Trust in what you get inside. So many times young Christians, they let other people talk them out of what they have inside. I've had people sit in front of me with tears and go, you know, I didn't feel right about it, but they were a Christian a lot longer than I'd been, and they're so-and-so, and so I just ignored what I had. Big mistake. I said, big mistake. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's me. I don't care who it is. It comes, tells you, prophesies to you, gives you a tongue and interpretation, say, I had a vision, you're supposed to do this. I don't care who it is. Don't you just follow it. Yeah, but they're a prophet, says who? Yeah, but they're an apostle, says who? Maybe they said they were. Well, that don't make a, you can stand in the car, in the garage and say, I'm a car. That don't make you one, right? And they may be, and, and on the other hand, they might be. They might be, but they could miss it too. You understand, humans can miss it. They could be right 98 times. And then this time be wrong. 
Somebody says, yeah, but the Holy Ghost ain't wrong. He's never wrong. But people's interpretation of what the Holy Ghost said, their explanation, their conclusions they come to about what he said can be completely wrong. So we, we must be led and directed of him. Everybody say internally led. Not external. See, don't let other people lead you around. I'm so glad we live in a covenant where all of us can know the Lord from the least to the greatest. All of us have the privilege. Every one of us can come boldly before the Lord in prayer. He'll hear us. He'll talk to you individually. Amen. Say it out loud again. I can hear from God for myself. Amen. And if you put these things into practice, you should just get better and better at it and sharper and sharper. Now in John 14, read this verse again. 16, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to give you another comforter. He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it sees him not, neither knows him. Now notice, why, why does the world cannot, didn't, didn't say just doesn't, the world cannot receive him. The world is oblivious to the Holy Spirit's teaching and leading and guiding and reminding. Why? Two reasons he gives. Why? Number one, they don't see him. Right? And number two, what? They don't know him. They don't see him. They don't, because of that, they don't receive him. And so we, we mentioned to you the first step in spiritual sensitivity is awareness of him. You must see him. You must be aware he's there. And don't try to make everything spectacular. Don't try to just hear voices and see visions. Realize, you know, uh, that, that he speaks to you quietly. And, and so much of what he communicates to you is no voice at all. It's a witness of the Spirit. It's an inward knowing. Amen? Don't try to hear voices. You'll get mixed up trying to hear voices. There are many voices in the world, none of them without signification, and the enemy is always trying to trick people. But you can have the witness and the knowing inside of you all day and all night. He can lead you and cause you to know everything from who you should marry and what your ministry is to how to find a parking place and where's the best deal. Huh? People say, oh, the Holy Ghost don't care about such stuff. He does. Just people have not because they ask not. No, he's not too busy to fool with you on these small things. He's God. I said he's God. Now two things we're talking about right now. Number one, realizing and recognizing the presence of the Holy Spirit. And number two, reverencing the Holy Spirit. We must reverence him. Show him the proper respect. You understand he is God, right? The Holy Spirit is God. Let me give you a, just a few, few pointers about him being God. Four things that you would probably agree that help make up deity. The Father is God. What makes him God? Well, here's four things. This is not all by any stretch, but here's four things that make him God. He is eternal, no beginning, no end. He is omniscient, that means all-knowing. And thirdly, he is omnipotent, all-powerful, right? And then fourthly, he is omnipresent, that means he's everywhere, How many believe that God is eternal? He is all-knowing. Is he? He is all-powerful. And he is everywhere. You believe that? Well, is the Holy Spirit God? Is he eternal? Is he all-knowing? All-powerful? Everywhere. Then he's God. Amen? And he should be respected as God. He should be reverenced as God. 
Let's just establish this. Do you mind us taking a little time and establishing these four points? You don't have to turn to these places, but number one, eternal. Hebrews 9, 14. You don't have to turn there. Just jot it down if you want to or just listen. But Hebrews 9, 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience? Everybody say eternal spirit. That's what the Bible says. Eternal spirit. I mean, in the beginning, the Holy Ghost didn't become. He was there. Right? Moving on the face of the deep. He, he's eternal. No recorded beginning and certainly no end. Eternal. And he's going to abide with you and I. How long? We just got through reading it two or three times. Forever. Aren't you glad? The Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, people sometimes say, oh, God, you know, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Quoting uh, David when he missed it in the Psalms. Well, listen, God's not going to take his spirit from you. Now, you can leave him. Did you hear me? You can forsake him, but he's not going to leave you. We'll talk more about some of these things later, but you don't have to be concerned. And, and, and I'll just give you a little preview of some of this. At some point, I want us to talk about these, about these things, blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And I want us to talk about the sin unto death that's mentioned in the scripture. But I, I'll just uh, give you a preview of it. There's all kind of people in mental institutions. They're beating their head against the wall, saying, I've committed the unpardonable sin. And the devil takes advantage of people's ignorance. And even good people get confused and messed up and, and are scared. Maybe I've committed the unpardonable sin. i got one question for them. One, one. Do you want to serve God? And if they say, oh, yeah, more than anything, Brother Keith, then there's no way you've committed the unpardonable sin. Did you hear me? Now, I'll explain that later, perhaps. <laughs> but I just want you to, you know, since I brought it up, I want you to, to know how to be thinking about it. If somebody has a desire to serve God and they want to please God and they want to obey God, there's no way they've committed the so-called unpardonable sin. People who have done that, you can't get them to serve God. They don't want Jesus. They don't want to serve God. Now, uh, Number two, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. He is all-knowing. We just got through reading right here in John 14. Skip down to the 26th verse if you're still there. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you what? Well, how's he going to teach you all things unless he knows all things? And he will bring what? All things to your remembrance. Whatever I've said to you, how could he bring all things to your remembrance unless he knew all things? Right? First John 2, we quoted earlier, you have an unction of the Holy One and you know all things. All things he must know. First Corinthians, the second chapter. And the 10th verse, 1 Corinthians 2.10, God has revealed these things to us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Spirit searches what? All things, yea, the deep things of God. He knows it, doesn't He? It's comforting when that gets real to you. That somebody who knows everything about everything is living right inside of me. And I could pick up any of that information at any given time. Now that doesn't make me omniscient. I'm not all-knowing. But it means anything I, I need to know or, or, or many things I desire to know, I have access to. Because he knows it. I said he knows it. He knows it. I gave you some illustrations a week or so ago. Let me give you another one today. I've always liked sports cars. Men, can I get an amen? amen? Women, can I get an amen? I mean, do you, do you like sports cars? Well, if you don't, that's fine. But I do. And um, I mean, it, it, this didn't start 
recently. I mean, when I was uh, barely old enough to run and, and, and get around good, we built a, a trap of a go-kart. And the first thing I did was try to find a bigger motor and re- take all the stuff off of it that caused drag, including unnecessary things like brakes and and, uh, <laughs> and and extra seats and seat belts and you know I had a stripped down go kart with a great big tiller motor and uh, I burned my clutch up so that clutch was extra weight anyway so we just took that off and put a sprocket on it just a straight drive direct drive and what you do is you get you a cement block. And it was just one wheel that pulled, you know, so you you put that cement block up under that axle and you start that thing up and you race it up real good and then you run around and get in the seat and you take a stick and knock the block out. <laughs> and that wheel spins and throws up dirt and away you go until you run out of gas or wreck. <laughs> Usually it was wreck because you got no brakes. <laughs> I mean, that's how I started out. And I, I thoroughly, I would drive that thing and wreck and wreck. And I had burnt places all up and down my arm from the muffler, from not getting out of the way quick enough, you know. But I, I enjoyed that. Not the burning, but the, but the ride. And I told you about, I told you about the Camaro, didn't I? Yeah. With my, my aunts in the back, right? We won't tell that again. But uh, anyway, when when Phyllis and I left to go to to Rama, uh, Brother Hagen's school in Oklahoma, the Lord dealt with me, leave everything, leave it. Because I I had a 37 Ford Coupe that I had spent every spare dime I had for years on it, every spare hour, and it was candy apple red, and it had a chrome dash and a little roll-out windshield, and and the engine hit so hard, it shook the windows when you went by. I mean, it scared little animals and small children, which is just like I wanted it. And the Lord dealt with me, walk away from it, just don't even look back, forget about it. And I did. I left it sitting right where it was and eventually just sold it for parts and, and just got out of it. Because it was taking up too much of my life. It was too big of a deal to me. I mean, I didn't just have a car. I followed it around with a cloth. I mean, know what I mean? I mean, spend all day on an alternator bracket. Sandblast it and paint it and on an alternator bracket. Stuff like that. Anyway, I did. We walked and for years I drove a little weak six-cylinder pickup. That the gears would hang up. Anybody know about these three on the tree pickups? Sometimes they'd hang up. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. We were in Rhema first year and we had, we, we weren't eating that good. And, and somebody came along and they wanted to take us to a fancy steakhouse downtown. We thought, glory to God. So we put our best clothes on and got in my little truck. I named him Trigger. My little three-speed on the column, uh, little six-cylinder truck. And we went downtown to this fancy place. And just as I turned the corner, wouldn't you know it, the gears hung up in front of this fancy place. And I had to get out in my little jacket and and jiggle the things and, and, and get it, you know. But anyway, that's what I was reduced to, if you will. Uh, transportation wise. And, and it didn't bother me because that wasn't on my mind. It's finding the will of God. Getting our training. Well, eventually, the Lord dealt with me that I could have another sports car. And so we got one and, and, and got to the place where we're going to get a, a new one. <laughs> we got a piece of one. Phyllis is right. But eventually, we got a new one. And, uh, but we're going to, I wanted a blue one. And we're going to get, we, we got to the place after several years. Everybody say several years. Of putting God first. See, so on and read. After several years, we got to the place we were able to buy a new Corvette. And we, I found one. A, a, it was a blue, some kind of metallic blue, pretty thing. White top, convertible, white interior. Man, this thing was smoking. 
And we, I'd made the deal. It was a, it was a couple of states away. And Phyllis and I got ready to, you know, to go pick the thing up. And we got and drove all this distance. And, and we got over there and the car wasn't ready. Well, they had half a day to get it ready. And, and so, well, we're not ready. Well, hour passed, two hours passed. Finally, they bring it around and it's a pretty thing. Oh, man. It's gleaming in the sun. And white interior, white uh, rag top. And so we got in it. And man, I'm so tickled to think I can drive this home. I can take this home. And we went around the block and Phyllis said, what would you say? She said, this ain't the right car. Something's wrong with this car. And uh, I didn't want to hear that. Because <laughs> I had the same thing. From the time I got there, something had been bothering me, scratching me, but my head didn't want to hear that because this car was saying, hey, me and you are buds now. (laughs) And I I acted dumb. I said, what? (laughs) What do you mean? And she said, well, I I don't know. It's just something's wrong with this car. Something's not right about this car. I said, why do you say that? I knew why she said it. I just, you know, I had the same thing. Finally, we went around another block. And I said, "Uh, I got a check too. And so we took the car back. Nothing nothing was wrong with the car. I mean, it looks perfect. Not, not something we had seen or heard. And we just pulled back up. And the guys, he's smiling. He said, what do you think? What do you think? And we said, well, seems like something's wrong with this car. He looked at me. He looked at the guys with it. He said, what do you mean? I said, uh, we don't think this car is right. He looked at the other guy. He said, excuse us. And... Uh, So he says, so you don't want the car? I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. But I had just spied a red one. (laughs) That That was actually the newest one that had just come out. Just backed it off the truck. I said, how about that one? He said, oh, no, not same deal on that one. Now, that one's got extra stuff. And I said, yeah, same deal. Would be great. How about that one? And after two or three hours, we had papers in front of us. And they said, we're sorry, Mr. Moore, that we misrepresented that other car to you. I thought, misrepresented? See, they thought we knew things we didn't know. But when we told them the car wasn't right, they knew the car wasn't right. I still don't know what was wrong with that car. But the Holy Ghost knows everything about Corvettes. Everything. Doesn't he? Our Buicks. Our Toyotas. Our Hondas, he knows everything about it. And I, I, you know, I just know in my heart, if we'd have taken that car home, it was a beautiful car, but we no doubt would have had trouble with it. No telling what, electrical problems, transmission problems, who knows, but you get a bad one, it can go on and on and on. And that's time you could be used reading the Bible or praying or fishing, right? Or something besides fooling with that. See how many times people have had trouble with stuff that they shouldn't have because they didn't listen. They didn't check. Or just you know, you can have caritis so bad, you say, oh, don't say that, Phyllis. This is a good car. I don't want to hear about it. No more. Now, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with this car. What's wrong with this car? <laughs> and then get in trouble about it. No, he is omniscient. Everybody say omniscient. omniscient. All-knowing. He knows everything. Hallelujah. What else is he? He's omnipotent. Do you know the Bible tells us in uh, Romans 8.11, you know it. Romans 8.11, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, the Father did. How did he do it, though? By the Holy Spirit. Now, do you understand that that is the great demonstration of the power of God? Much mightier than any other miracle in the whole Bible. Much, much Much mightier. 
Do you know that when Jesus cast out devils out of people and when he healed the sick, that he said he did that by the finger of God? Remember that? Because they said, you know, he cast out devils by Beelzebub, prince of devils. And he said, no, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Finger. Everybody say finger. Finger. We're talking about how powerful God is. The biggest, ugliest, hairiest, stinkiest demon can be driven out by God's finger power. No, they don't tie up and wrestle. The Holy Ghost doesn't tie up and wrestle with some demon. Oh, no. Never has, never will. Finger power. Jesus said, shut up and come out of them. And the Holy Ghost went. And they had to go. They had to leave. Don't be afraid of the devil. I said, do not be afraid of the devil. If you know who you are, he's afraid of you. And you resist the devil and he will flee. Why would he flee from you? Why would he run? Why would he flee? So you know who you are. He's afraid of you. And he's afraid of the greater one who's inside of you and the authority in the name of Jesus that you have. Finger. I like that, don't you? Gives you a glimpse of how powerful God is. Oh, man. But you know, the Bible also talks about the hand of God. Well, that's more power yet, isn't it? The whole hand of God. And the Bible also talks about the arm. Now we're talking about serious power now, aren't we? The arm of God, his mighty arm or his mighty hand. And the Bible tells us that the exceeding greatness of the power of God was demonstrated when Jesus was raised from the dead. To do that, God had to flex. Amen. I mean, he had to, he had to give it what he had. Why? Because it wasn't just a body. I understand Jesus being raised from the dead is nothing at all like Lazarus being raised from the dead. Nothing at all. A human body being raised from the dead. I mean, that was finger stuff for God. Why was it such a thing for Jesus to be raised from the dead? Because when Jesus was raised from the dead, every human being that would ever live, that would ever believe on him, was raised free from sin in him. And all the sin and all the resulting judgment for all mankind for every generation was put away and dealt with in that act. Oh, glory to God. Everybody say mighty God. God. And who was the person that showed up in the tomb? (laughs) The Holy Spirit. And I mean, he expanded his chest and he flexed his arms. And Jesus was raised from the dead. And all of us with him. With him. Everybody say all powerful. All powerful. powerful. What can the Holy Ghost do for you? What if you're feeling a little draggy one morning? (laughs) If he can raise Jesus from the dead, he can give you a little zap. Is that right? Can he? A quick, well that's what this scripture that I just read, Romans 8, 11 says. Go back and read it. Turn over there again please. Romans 8, 11. I think we, uh, we do without so much because we've not learned to look to him, depend on him, ask him. Romans 8, are you there? 11, what does it say? But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, does he? Does it? Yeah, yeah. Then he that raised up Christ, the anointed one from the dead, shall also do what? Quicken. What's that? Zap. Quicken. Quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Now, certainly that applies 
to our body being raised from the dead if we die before the Lord returns and our body being changed from mortal to immortal. But it's not limited to that. He didn't say that. He said quicken your what? Mortal. Well, these bodies are mortal right now. And the Bible talks about the earnest of our inheritance and the first fruits of our inheritance. What does that mean? What is an earnest? Earnest is like a a down payment of the rest to come. What is the rest to come of our physical redemption? Immortality. Well, do we get to taste of some of that now? Yeah, we don't become immortal now, but we do get a taste of this quickening. Amen? Quickening is available to us mortally. I've experienced it at different times. I remember one time, uh, Phyllis and I hadn't been in the ministry that long. I was working at the Hagen Ministry teaching healing school. We had had to go in home for, for something pressing. And so we just took off and drove all night, uh, like a 12-hour drive. And we got there and, and dealt with some things. And, and, and I stayed up all the next day and got about two hours of sleep and got in the car and we're going to go back. Well, as you might imagine... By the end of that 12-hour drive, I'm hurting, man. I'm having visions of the bed with my eyes open. I'm, I'm hurting. And I had already made up my mind, you know, when I get there, they were, uh, they were thinking about me doing some things there in some of the afternoon sessions. But I thought, man, I'm, I'm not fit to. I'm, I'm just not in shape to. I'm going to call them when I get there, talk to them about it, because there are other people that could do it and take it. And uh, when I got there, I picked up the phone, and, man, I'm standing right by the bed, and it's calling my name. And I said, I said, look, you know, I am, I'm, I don't think I'm fit to speak and to minister to these people today. I, you know, I told them what happened. It was unexpected and this and that. Uh, well, no, excuse me, excuse me. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say that. And before I could say that, they said, so glad you called. There's something else that needs to happen today. And we want you there for that as well. And, and I'm all ready to tell them, oh, you don't understand. You know, I've been like two days without sleep, and I'm not fit. And the Lord checked me. He said, have you asked me about this? I said, well, no. He said, go ahead. I said, okay, uh, i got to change clothes and clean up, but I'll be there in a bit. And I hung up, and I thought, what did you say? What did you say? And, and I'm, I'm cleaning up, and by the time I got there, I felt like a zombie, man. And all these people are sitting there waiting to hear some preaching and teaching, and these are people that's got problems, and physical problems, and some of them told they're not going to live, and they don't need somebody just playing around. They need to get something right now. I told the guys in the back, I said, pray, pray. I went on up, and I took my text, and I'm telling you, quickening, quickening. Everybody say quickening. Now, you, you don't just push yourself to be pushing yourself. You can break yourself down. You don't do this every day. Did you hear me? If you do, you're foolish and you mess up. You, you are still mortal. But there are times when you need some extra quickening. Maybe you, you weren't in control of all of the things that happened, but you need a zap. You need some extra life coming up in you. And man, as I started to teach and preach, the anointing came on me and I was stirred up and I waved my hands and I spit cotton and I quoted scriptures fast and we laid hands on everybody in the house and people were healed and people were set free. I come out of there bouncing. I thought, glory to God. And the people said, man, I thought you said you were wore out. I said, nah, nah, I'm ready to go. And I went and sat down at my desk and about five minutes, the anointing lifted. Oh, man, I felt like 40 miles of muddy road. (laughs) And there comes a time when you better go to bed. But I'm just talking about the quickening. Everybody say quickening. Quickening. He is all powerful. And if he can raise Jesus from the dead, he is in you, the Bible says, to quicken. Everybody say quicken. Quicken your mortal body. But let me give you one simple phrase that will help you access this regularly. The Bible said, let the weak say, I am strong. Huh? Let the weak say, I am strong. But what do most people say? If they feel weak, what do they say? Man, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just feel draggy today. Whew. Man, maybe i got to change my vitamins or something. I just... I just sleep good. I just feel draggy. I don't know what. I just feel so weak. 
Well, what's wrong with me? I just feel so weak. Well, you talk that a few days. And it'll take three of us to get you out of church. You understand what I'm saying? Man, I just feel so weak. Whew, y'all pray for me. I just feel like I can't hardly put one foot in front of the other. You talk weakness, you're going to get weaker. Tell me what the scriptures say. What is it? Joel 3.10. Let the weak say what? I am strong. And when you feel the weakest and when you feel the, the most weary and the most worn out, it's when you ought to be saying, I got the greater one inside me. He quickens my mortal body. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm strong. I'm strong. Amen. Like I used to tell the students, I'm quick. I'm sharp. I'm bright. Good looking. Very rich. And a major blessing. That's me. Now you got to say that when you feel dumb and ugly and broke. Yeah, that's what faith is all about. The dumber and uglier and broker you feel and look, that's when you best not talk dumb, ugly, and broke. You better talk quick, sharp, bright, good looking, rich, strong. Amen? Everybody said out loud, I'm quick. I'm bright. I'm sharp. Good looking. Very rich. And a major blessing. That's me. Say this out loud. I'm strong in the Lord. He quickens my mortal body. He quickens my mind. He fills me with strength. He keeps me going strong. I do not lack for strength. For He is in me. Amen. Talk strength. Talk strength. Now finally, go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. He is eternal. He is all-knowing. Knows everything about how to cook cakes and pies. (laughs) Knows how to get lawnmowers to start. Doesn't he? What else does he know? Plumbing. Somebody said plumbing. He knows everything about PVC and copper and lead and elbows. Doesn't he? Everything. What else does he know about? Refrigeration. He knows everything. Doesn't he? Now, now we're laughing, but he does. He can give you a word of knowledge. I don't mean you hear a voice or so. You just, you're working on something and all at once you know. Check this. You know, check this. So if you're smart, don't say, well, I already checked it three times. That's being disrespectful. Huh? We're talking about you must acknowledge him, recognize and realize his presence, but you must also respect him. And when he deals with something, and we're all learning. So, you know, and and if you don't check some things out, you're never going to find out. Well, I don't know if that's the Holy Ghost or not. Well, just check it out. And be quick and ready to admit that you were wrong, that you missed it. But check it out. There's been times before that I checked a, looking for a particular sermon note or a file or, a, you know, a receipt on something. And I mean, I look for that thing and I look for that thing. And, and I said, now, Holy Ghost, help me on this. You know where this thing is at. And the thought came to me, check this certain file. I thought, well, I've looked in that file ten times. But if I'm respectful, what will I do? Yes, sir. Go looking. And sure enough, I had, I had gone right over it. That ever happened to you? Just look right over something. But he knows. He knows where every piece of paper's at. Doesn't he? He's, he knows where that lost jewelry is at. Doesn't he? Knows everything. If we'd ask him. And then listen. Be aware. And then be respectful. He's omniscient. He's also omnipotent. And to think about him who is so powerful, the one who manifested himself in the tomb, brought Jesus from the dead, the one who moved on the face of the deep. That one is living inside you. 
The same Holy Ghost that was on Jesus, that healed all the sick in his ministry, that uh, delivered all the people and raised the dead. That Spirit, not a different one, that same Holy Spirit lives in you. Is that real to you? Man, we ought to be a success. We ought to be an overwhelming success. Everything we do, we ought to know the right thing to say and the right thing to do and where to go and when. We ought to have the unction and know all things that we should know. Go to Psalm 139. He is also omnipresent, isn't he? I like this psalm. Psalm 139, are you there? Let's just start in verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You understand my fault afar off. You know, some people leave the impression that God has too many more important things than to, than to keep up with every little thing about us or to care about every little thing about us. But that's just them not understanding how big he is. Does he not keep up and know the number of the hairs on our head? We don't know the number of the hairs on our head. He keeps up with things we don't keep up with. So certainly he knows when we lay down and go to bed. He knows when we get up. He knows when we take a drink of water. He knows when we go to work, when we get off. He knows everything and he keeps up with everything. He goes on to say, you compass my path. That means you encircle me and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. How many know it's a fact? He knows you inside out, up one side and down the other. He knows you. He knows things about you you don't know. Right? Many things about you you don't know. And he said, uh, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. And you can't fully understand that. How does God keep up with everything? About everybody on the planet. We're talking about billions of people. And he knows the exact amount of hairs. On each one of those billions of people's head. Everything they're doing. Everything they're thinking. Everywhere they're going. How can he keep up with all that? He's God. Right? I said he's God. You don't have to understand it. Can you believe it? Somebody say I believe it. Keep reading. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? He's asking a question. Where can you go that the Holy Spirit is not there? Now he starts eliminating some things. He said, if I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, shall your hand lead me? Everybody say, lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. You do understand that hand of the Lord many places refers to the Holy Spirit. If I say surely the darkness will cover me, even the night shall be light about me. (laughs) You know when God shows up it's not dark anymore? Because he's light. Yea, the darkness hides not from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Where can you go from the presence of the Lord? You know, Jonah tried that, didn't he? The Bible said he, uh, uh, what did he do? He bought passage on this ship and he fled from the presence of the Lord. (laughs) How did that work? Huh? Could he get away from the presence of the Lord? Now we laugh. How many know that's, that's foolish to try to get away from the presence of the Lord? But you know, people do that all the time. You know, that's why a lot of people are not in church this morning. They want to get away from the presence of the Lord. Because when they get around Him, they get to realizing that they got stuff they should straighten up in their life. They get to realizing that uh, that He's got a plan for them and some things that He wants them to do. And so they don't want to hear about that. They don't want to think about that. And so they're running from Him. You understand there are millions running from Him. But can you get away from Him? Can you? I mean, well, they just grounded the Concord. But you could run get on the Concord. And you could fly beyond the speed of sound. And you could zip to the other side of the planet. And you can get out in the middle of nowhere where nobody's there. And get behind a palm tree. And the Holy Ghost will say, hey. (laughs) What you doing over here? (laughs) 
You can run, get on a submarine, and go to the furthest reaches of the bottom of the ocean and, and hide under a cot. And up under that cot, the Holy Ghost will say, hey, what are you doing? Can you get away from him? So people can't get away from him. The thing is, why would you want to get away from him? He is all that is good and great, love and peace and joy. Shouldn't want to get away from him. So don't run from him. Run to him. Don't try to be less aware of his presence. Draw close. Draw near. And I tell you what, it'll straighten up your life. If the Holy Ghost is real, real to you, from the time you open your eyes to the time you go to bed, then everywhere you go, everything you're around, if he doesn't like something, you'll sense it. If he's grieved, he's in you, you'll sense it, you'll be grieved. And if you live with that awareness, then there's a lot of stuff you'll say, I can't do this. Why? No, you don't have to even give an explanation to people. If it bothers him, then it bothers me. And it'll help you straighten up your life. You'll live a holier life. You'll live a cleaner life. You'll live a better life. I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit and then I'm getting ready to close. We want to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But you cannot ignore him and be sensitive. When you ignore him, you dull yourself. And here's the problem. You cannot push away the correction of the Lord and receive the direction of the Lord. You can't push away the correction and be sensitive to the direction. You can't say, I don't want to hear that. Don't talk to me about that. I don't want to listen to that. But help me with this. Lead me on this. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. If you want to be sensitive to the direction, you must receive the correction. Say, yes, Lord, show me. Whatever it is, I'll correct it. You help me, we'll straighten it out. We'll stop it. We'll start it. And you reverence him. Everybody say reverence him. You reverence his presence. In the morning when you get up or before you get up, you lay there with your eyes closed. You say, thank you, Lord, for giving me your wonderful Holy Spirit. He's in me. Guide me. Lead me. Now, you don't pray to the Holy Spirit, but you can talk to the Holy Spirit. And, and you, all through the day, you say, thank you, Lord, for helping me by your Spirit. Or you can say, you know, talk to the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, help me with this. Awareness. Sensitivity. You don't have to say it out loud if there are unbelievers all around you and people that don't understand. You don't have to say a word. He's in you. Verbal communication is not even necessary. Just look to him. Check with him. Amen. We're believing. We've prayed this on our prayer nights. We've prayed about the move of the Spirit. And so many individuals, ministries, churches, the move of the Spirit is either non-existent are very, very shallow. And what you have with a lot of cases is people substituting flesh things for the real move of the Spirit. And people are doing some things, but it's just pretty much flesh. I'm hungry for the real move of the Spirit. Are you? I'm hungry for the real manifestation of His presence. And what we're talking about right now, these things are keys to helping us get there and coming up to a higher place. We're going to reverence him. I said we're going to reverence him. We're going to show him honor. We're going to show him respect. Amen. And if he starts saying something, I'll be quiet. You be quiet. Amen. If he tells us to do something, we'll take it seriously. Won't we? Stand up on your feet. Let's just tell him this. It's more important than us talking to each other about it. Let's tell him these things. Thank you, Lord. Said out loud, Father God, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. He's our teacher. He's our helper, our guide. Thank you for bringing us into a greater awareness of His presence, which is your presence. Cause us to be keenly aware and much more sensitive to the moving, the speaking, 
working correction, direction of your Holy Spirit. We purpose to show the proper respect and the proper honor, reverence by your grace in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just take just a moment. Just lift your hands and thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit in your life. And look to Him, just, just for a moment, look to Him so that you're not thinking about you or anybody around you, just Him. Just looking to Him. The Bible said, be still and know that I am God. He's in you. He's real. He's real. Focus on Him just a minute. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Thank you for helping me, Holy Spirit. I reverence you. I respect you. I yield to you. I follow you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.